Hi folks, Jeff here. This episode with Kim Shuck is our last of 2021. I didn't want to let that moment go unnoticed. It's obviously been quite a year, the first full year of the pandemic. We want to recognize how incredibly privileged we are to have access to the vaccine, which has allowed us to meet so many of our guests in person this year. San Francisco is still doing very well for a major city, so there's that too. Michelle and I were blown away to be named Best Podcast and 48 Hills Best of the Bay. Thank you all for that, and thanks for your continued support over the years. We also want to thank all the guests, from the end of Season 3 to the beginning of Season 4 and up to this episode, for being part of our project to highlight the people who are still here and more vibrant than ever. We're going to take next week off, but check out Twitter and Instagram for some fun and engaging content. All right. On with the show. And I'm like, I might be that poet. Which poet is that? You're the new poet laureate of San Francisco. And I was like, I had, I I guess I should have known because of the high end folk who have been that person before me, that it was sort of something that people not in San Francisco might know. That was poet and artist Kim Shuck. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this podcast, Kim picks up where she left off in part one with her decision to stay in San Francisco and go to college at SF State. Other topics in this episode include her politics, her writing career, social pressures from being Cherokee, teaching, and being named San Francisco's seventh Poet Laureate. We end the episode with Kim's thoughts on what it means to still be here, as well as her outlook for her hometown. Be sure to listen through on this one, because Kim reads a couple of her poems at the end. Here's Kim. Uh, really, like in the 80s, who would have moved out of San Francisco? Right. What, what is the point of that? Right. So, um, What year exactly did you start? Yeah, that's... What year did I start? You know, I delayed starting, and I think I went to school in 85. Okay. Um, Were you, as a young woman now, were you, um, like, politically conscious? This is, like... Deeply. Thick of Reagan. Deeply. So when I was was actually at the protest um, at the... uh, Demo- was it the Democratic Convention in San Francisco? In 84. I in think, 84, yeah. Yeah, yeah. when Dolores Huerta got injured. Mm-hmm. Intriguingly, I ended up teaching her granddaughter at SF State. Mm. All things go through San Francisco State University. Yeah. It's very yeah. important place. Yes. I know when I became the Poet Laureate, just as an aside, the Alumni Association called me up and said, we'd love to have you say some things. Mm about that because aren't you the first i'm like no i think i'm i'm right in line with any everybody else i believe the only person who doesn't have an sf state connection was Ferlinghetti. Right, but right. i could be wrong about that there right. may be a connection i'm not sure um but i do know almost any everybody else um has read there or taught there or mm-hmm. you know gone to school there mm-hmm. it just i know devora was there i know alejandro had the office down the hall from me when i was teaching in ethnic studies i know you know so and when did writing or slash poetry when did that start for you was it before college we don't know 
We don't know. No one knows. Uh, neither the art nor the writing. Nobody knows when I started doing that. I've asked my parents. Neither of them remember. Um, Is it for you? Do you just feel like it's something you've always done? I think I've always done it. Always done it I yeah. don't know, but I think I've always done it. Yeah. And and then there's like there's the the super Indi- I am super Indian story, which I could tell, which is that there are a lot of traditional lyric forms in Cherokee that definitely inspire me. That's not untrue. But the other part of that story is the Cicely Mary Barker flower fairy books were also a big lure for me. Okay. So <laughs> that's the, that's the one that kind of breaks that a little bit. I know there are people who both want me and don't want me to like mm. be super Indian. So it's a little, <laughs> I'm afraid you, I grew want? up. Well, uh, it's hard to know. Cause I grew up during the red power movement where mm-hmm. everybody was going, go to college, go to college, go to college. Yeah. We a bunch of us went to college, graduated. And it's like, you guys think you're too good for us now. It's like, uh, we did what you asked us to right. do. So just socially, there's a little bit Double of a edge. weirdness there, but just watching everybody bend over backwards, trying to fulfill some kind of, uh, culturally interior stereotype was like difficult and there are still people who do that thing mm. and it's really hard to watch because it's mm-hmm. like i do you know i when i'm making sarcastic comments at people who are like we were hoping you would dress like a native person i'm like i own all of these clothes these are my clothes right mm-hmm. And you didn't show up in high-heeled buckle shoes and a powdered wig either. So, (laughs) like, how is it that Europeans are the only ones who get to move on? And then you go to the next Native event, and it's like somebody's talking like a bad variation of the Jay Silverheels character from the... It's just... It's maddening. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's like, well, it's also sad. It's like, why... Uh, Kimberly Blazer has this whole thing about performing indigeneity and um, it's hard not to because you are expected to do that mm-hmm. and especially the whole hippie thing um, god I can't even tell you how many times in elementary school I was asked what my Indian name was it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah my Indian name's Kim Yeah, <laughs> it's Kim Yeah, it's Kimberly if I've done something bad it's <laughs> You can really in your middle name. Yeah, yeah. yeah sometimes yeah. it's if well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can we go back? Because I I barely skimmed the surface of um like your political my life political in the, in life the, in the eighties. I was really political. I've remained pretty political. Um, yeah, I just uh, it it went from thing to thing. I was all about um. I think probably I got really into the the political thing around native issues. Okay. Um and then and then being so close to the Castro and you know Reagan wouldn't even say AIDS mm-hmm. and there was just a lot of stuff going on around maybe it's better to keep the population from dying off no matter what part of the population that might be Mm -hmm. um that really got to me and so i was really political about that for a long time Mm -hmm. when i got to sf state i ended up being president of the student um the native student organization there Mm -hmm. um which was I don't even think the real politics struck me until 
we ended up uh, having a uh, an FBI agent um, start attending our meetings. I know that sounds paranoid, but he actually came out as an FBI agent oh, to okay. me. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I sort of came out to every, I outed him to everyone else and told them he was, and he was really upset. And I was like, maybe I misunderstood what was going on here. I, perhaps you didn't notice. I have flyers all over, campus. all over campus yeah. trying to lure people into these meetings. I don't care what you do for a living. If you think you're going to learn something, we will also teach you how to make fry bread, and you can try to learn something while you make fry bread. If you're going to be useful for me, I don't care what your job is. Right. You know? And he was a nice guy, but it was like they had some weird idea. And I think after watching me organize dances and bake sales for a couple of years, they just sort of left. Not, but I know that the organization that. had been on the COINTELPRO list for a long time because... The, they the just, SF State? Yeah, because okay. they sort of thought that we were doing something yeah. evil and it's like right. yeah you know maybe but i never knew it i'm you, a naive thing anyway so it's possible but well you weren't a rockwell painting i think anything that wasn't yeah i mean we right. were certainly complaining about y'all so maybe yeah. that's a problem i don't right, know right. i mean i think again uh being complicit in the death of parts of the population that are targeted parts of the population is really a problem not what the uh advertising for the country is so <laughs> right. like if you want me to change my opinion about it get honest about what it is you're up to and then maybe we'll talk about that but right now i think you say you have a responsibility to us and you are definitely not meeting it so that was definitely a perspective of mine that I've retained throughout all of these years. And mm -hmm. I'm still active about all of that stuff. I, I tend, I march occasionally. Mm -hmm. I stand in groups of people occasionally. Mm -hmm. I mostly embarrass people with my words at this point. And I think that's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. I wrote a whole book. I think it was... Was it 50 days in a row, 30 days in a row, 55, I think it was 50, I don't think it was 55, I could be wrong. Anyway, I wrote a book called Murdered Missing, which was about um, murdered and missing Native women, and somebody in the audience is going to go, it's not just women, I know that. I wrote about murdered and missing Native women, so... That sort of reminds me. Black lives matter. White lives matter. Yeah, Shut up. no, enough. Shut That's up. not yeah. what I'm focusing on. Right. Right. Um, missing, missing the point. Yeah. yeah. Just and a little bit. Can I just say, I, I'll put my hand up to that. When that first happened, I'm just such a naif. I missed the point on that one. Mm. I was like, I wasn't like uh, part of some white militia arguing that all lives matter. <laughs> I, mean, I, I like, would have guessed not. No, everybody. And then yeah. it was like, no, this is, oh, right, that. You know, yeah. but I'm not sure that that anybody really wants to be the number one most killed group of people for any reason. There's not a and race or a competition. It would be great if, if, if it didn't feel sometimes like it's hyperbole is the only way to get attention. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, Native women really do vanish and, and mm -hmm. get murdered more often than any other uh, group There's of women been in the like country. One episode of Dateline about it. I know. Well, occasionally it'll be reported, but here's a cold cup of coffee. San Francisco is on the top 10 list for the cities in which that happens. Okay. Do you ever see it reported? Never. While I was writing it, 
I think it was three, four people I knew either got killed or vanished. People I knew. While you're writing it. We don't all know each other, by right, the way. Right. While I was writing it. Right. Okay. Jeez. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm really political. Mm-hmm. I uh, was part of the group that got the statue taken out of the civic center downtown i've had a death threat um and i think that if i could work out where to put that on my resume it'd be in there because Mm -hmm. i think part of the job of being a writer is to piss off racists Mm -hmm. so well put please be offended (laughs) it helps me know i'm pushing the right buttons i was gonna say being offended proves the point of what you're trying to I think it does. Can we can we go back to yeah. um so did you stay at did you graduate from SF State? I did. And what happened after that? I went and had some children and mm-hmm. then I went back to SF State and took another degree there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, a, like a second bachelor's or a master's? Master's. A master's. Master of Fine Arts in textiles. Uh, oh sorry, what was your first degree in? Uh art. Okay. With a minor in in ethnic studies, Indian okay. studies. Okay. Um, so you had kids, went back, got your master's, and then... I had some kids and went back and got my master's, okay. and then... Oh, what did I do? I mean, in between, I managed a yarn store, and I, you know... I did a lot of things. I basically fed my imagination, and I think... That's a thing that people don't always value highly enough. Mm. I think if you're going to be an artist, you sort of have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you? I'm an start... inveterate walker of these hills. I love yeah, this city. Yeah, I walk all the time. Fuck yeah! Yeah. When did you start reading out in front of people? Oh, I, you know, I think the first person who made me do that was Carol Lee Sanchez. Okay. And Carol Lee Sanchez, for those who don't know was um, a uh, Laguna, Lakota, Lebanese, Scots-Irish poet from uh, New Mexico who came here and ran the coffee gallery poetry readings in North Beach and knew Mm -hmm. all the characters and took the... um, the California Poets in the Schools, it was then the Pegasus Project out of San Francisco State. Again, San Francisco State. Yes. She ran the Poetry Center out there for a while as well. Mm-hmm. and she But she took the Pegasus Project out of San Francisco State, made it statewide, and it's now California Poets in the Schools. Mm. Um, and she was uh, uh, really influential on a number of uh, poets in the area. Uh, Avacha, Gail Mitchell, Devorah Major. There are a lot of people who count her among the people who are inspirational. To, to she also. Now I always get the name of this thing wrong. I think it's called the Bay Area, the Bay Area Poetry something or other. Okay. Uh, that meets over in in Berkeley. She did a lot of things and was really important to a lot of people. I dated her youngest son. Okay. And uh, he was the first great love of my life, and. Um, I hung out with Carol Lee a lot, and at one point, we were doing something in the the uh, Mission Cultural Center, and she basically said, well, Kim's got a poem. Come up and read your poem. And I was like, gah! <laughs> ah! Not talked about ahead of time. This was not discussed. All, like, I on did the spot. not agree to this. <laughs> 
where's my poem? So anyway, I started reading then. Carol Lee was really a lot of those moments for me. There are people who claim to have had huge influence on my career, and maybe they have and maybe they haven't. But I'll tell you what, I never probably would have done it in any professional capacity at all if it weren't for her. Um, She she insisted that... um, that I uh, participate in certain events, that one in particular, Mm -hmm. others also. Was Uh, that the first time? It was, I think it was the first time I ever read in public. I'm pretty sure it was. Somebody may come forward and and contradict that, that. That's okay. And that would be fine because we don't, I don't remember, and we don't know a lot about this. My parents totally don't remember either. I think my grandmother would have, but she's not around. Um, Do you remember it? I remember it. I was terrified. But afterwards, what did you think? I was horrified. I I do not. I have been put on stages for a lot of my life. I, you know, I've, I modeled clothes way back in the day. Okay. um, For a friend who was a seamstress. And I've never been comfortable with it. I was a dancer. I hated that. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate dancing or modeling or any of it. If we could erase all of the people, that would be fine. Like the audience. Yeah, the audience yeah. could go away. Okay. But I don't have stage fright anymore. Right. I think if you do a thing multiple times a week for years on end, you will eventually get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Also, I found that uh, teaching was performative in that way. And Absolutely. so I, I think... I think, you know, by which token I did three shows a day for five years. Can we talk about and teaching? that will really, yeah, sure. Let's, let's talk about that. I think the first class I ever taught, I was in third grade, and I taught uh, my fellow students to crochet as a lunchtime yes. activity. Yes. And then... That's uh, on the resume. I think it is, yeah. It should be. Well, at this point, I can get whimsical about the resume because when (laughs) what is also on the resume puts me on a list with Ferlinghetti and Jack Hirschman and Diane DePrima, and you know, then at that point you can go, well, here's the real driver's license, and now you also have to deal with the fact that in third grade I won second place in a in a um, public radio uh, playwriting contest. So, you know, I've been writing for a long time and, yeah. I, and I also, I also have some latitude to be creative with my, with my resume because <laughs> I've done a few things now. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I can be silly about it. My, you know, and you write your bio a lot when you do what I do. Mm-hmm. If you're the poet laureate of San Francisco, like it, a lot of people submit huge long bios, but if that's one of the things on your bio, you can afford to have it be three lines. And two of them can be really silly, and then you can say, and seventh poet laureate of San Francisco, and people will still take you kind of yeah, it brings seriously. It, brings it back. It's like, by the way, other people have agreed that I do this reasonably well. But I mean, I think my my favorite bio that I have starts out, uh, Kim Shuck is a silly protein. <laughs> Which is technically true. Sure. Um, although you... we have one friend who says, you're not a silly protein. You are a series of silly proteins. Oh, right. Oh. Which is also true, although at what point is protein plural and at what point is protein? Oh. Yeah, is pro- if you say proteins, is it different kinds of protein or is it a collection? See, of this is my question. I feel like kind. I am a complex protein and that would be one. Yeah. But, you know. 
Did you say you taught at SF State though? I taught at SF State. I past, also past tense. That's not something you're. Still I don't doing. do it now. Okay. I also taught at CCA. Okay. Which although they're really, oh, yeah. uh, although they're. Uh, <laughs> after they dropped the crafts. You know, I got hired there after they dropped the crafts, okay. but I was despondent about it. Yeah. And um, I feel like uh, they may be adding a T apparently for tech, which. Um, oh. Which like, like I would have had they had they continued to hire me, which is what happened. They stopped hiring me. Okay. Um, had they continued to hire me, I would have quit. They yeah. say that I work there on their website, but mm-hmm. I don't, and probably never will again unless okay. they offer me an enormous pile of money. Okay. Um, for many many reasons we will not get into because you will be sued. So, okay. um, <laughs> and I am taking pity. Um, but uh, and what what did you teach at at these? I taught fine institutions. I taught um, native uh, arts, Native American arts. Mm-hmm. I taught, what else did I teach? I taught a couple of classes, um, mostly surrounding the, I was in, for CCA, I was in the the diversity department, which has become something else, and I don't know, I will never work for it, I don't care. Um, I taught in American Indian Studies, so I taught the arts class, the science class, and at one point, an oral literature class as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, I, I've I've taught, I've volunteered to teach things science through origami mostly mm. uh, at elementary schools all over San Francisco. Mm-hmm. For a period of time, I taught poetry and occasionally got paid for it through California Poets in the Schools. I um, I I wrote curriculum for the Exploratorium oh, wow. um, as part of their uh, uh, diversity group i forget what we were called mm-hmm. um and uh we just got a copy of the book that that some of my work is in but they spelled my name wrong which is why i never oh. <laughs> knew that that, is, that that was that way before, just recently it's okay <clears throat> a lot of people spell my name wrong when i won the award for uh i won a uh, national laureate fellowship mm-hmm. through the academy of american poets and they spelled my name wrong do they use, a, is it shock is that what they do the, or? yeah shock they put a c into shock oh and S-C-H? it's like yeah my ah. my last name is actually a noun it's a noun in the language we're speaking right now it baffles me that people always misspell it right right <laughs> it's like think the green stuff on the outside of corn corn mm-hmm. um so yeah I've, i have a history of teaching it's something i do sort of uh um, it's an addiction I think I've finally broken, you okay. know. Hi, my name is Kim Shuck. I teach. It's it's now past it's tense. Been, it's hot. Well, maybe. Probably. Possibly. It's been, it's been a couple of months since my last teaching assignment. <laughs> I, do, I do workshops now occasionally okay. for friends if they ask me really pretty. I think I'm ready for the story of Poet Laureate, which Laureate. you reminded me... You gotta ask. Yeah. Being, being was it being informed that you were, and then right. the message going out to the public. Between, yeah. So, so the that. story starts here. I am at a poetry reading for the release of a book, um, in Berkeley. So I'm in I'm in this anthology. I go to the event. We get there a little late. I skid in just in time to read. 
I do my reading. Afterwards, I'm standing around with Kimi Sugiyoka, who is currently the poet laureate of Alameda. The two of us are standing there next to each other, and a friend of mine walks up and says, I've been told you're going to be the next poet laureate of San Francisco, and I laughed. Sure I am. I, I actually, I think I laughed to the extent that I had to exercise a lot of mouth control in order not to laugh juice out my nose. Oh, okay. It was really funny <laughs> to me that that was even the thing. Right. So Kimi Sugioka and I had a good laugh about that. And then um, people commented that I'm Kim and she's Kimi and our last names both start with S and that was very funny and ha ha ha. So that was the end of that. And then later in the same thing, I'm like poking around in the Aram sandwiches on the 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 food table mm -hmm. and somebody else came up to me and said I heard you're going to be the next poet laureate of San Francisco and again I laughed but it's like a slightly uneasy a couple weeks later I'm asked to read at a memorial reading for John Trudell who had passed away um, and uh, somebody comes up to me and says if we nominate you for poet laureate of San Francisco will you accept the nomination and I said sure no, but, you know, you'll do the gig? Absolutely. If they appoint me that, I will absolutely do the gig. And I'm thinking of the the list of humans who have done this before me. And it's not a minor group of people. They're incredible poets. And You've I, mentioned them before. Do you want to mention them again? Yeah, Some okay. In order, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, Janice Mirakitani, Devorah Major, Jack Hirschman, Diane De Prima, Alejandro Morgia, and I was the seventh. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not an inconsiderable group of people. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them are more famous for their poetry. Some are more famous for their activism. They are all both poets and activists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of them have been very important and formative to my life. Mm -hmm. And now you're So I them. didn't think there was any possibility that I was going to end up on that list. Right. I mean, to the point that, like, there is a book out there that somebody I used to work with wrote in which it says... Uh, it refers to me as just being a community poet. It's all I ever wanted to be was mm. a local community poet. That was my whole goal was to keep writing and to make sure that there were readings so that I could read at them. And that was it. That mm. was the end all be all of it. And occasionally get published in an anthology. Right. right. And, you know, but then I think I'd won an award that got me my first book. So, yeah, I had a book. So, yay me. And, you know, was periodically tapped to publish in these things so um they nominated me and then there were three people in the city who wandered around with nomination forms so i got multiply nominated i never nominated myself i thought it was hilarious that anybody even thought about it i i came up with a really great project that i wanted to do and um and so in the fullness of time it was a very long process in the fullness of time it was uh i was asked to submit uh, a, a curriculum vita, mm -hmm. which I don't think people know what that means because they say it and what they really mean is they want a resume. resume. Yeah. Nobody wants my 50 page doorstopper, uh, you know, because I, I have been a working artist and a working poet my whole working life, right? So the resume is like, worked here as a teacher, worked there, you know, was a barista early on and did these things, right? But that's manageable chunk of stuff, right? You want every publication and every performance? That is pages and pages. Mm -hmm. Even if we print it on both sides of the paper, it's pages and pages mm -hmm. and pages, right? So I, I just thought it was funny. I walked it down there because I didn't want to, 
I walked it down to the library because I didn't want to pay for the shipping, shipping. <laughs> on the <laughs> chunk of stuff. And the eyes went wide when I dumped it on somebody's desk, too. I have done a few, fair few things. <laughs> so I've, I still thought it was funny, and I was flabbergasted that they asked for, like, further stuff. I was baffled by the whole thing. And then um, I got a phone call from City Hall. And I was like, there's really only one thing that could be. He's obviously calling to tell me he's sorry he didn't pick me. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what happened. Yeah. So I get a phone call from Airly and he tells me, and they're not going to announce it until their chosen announcement time. And Doug and I have a talk, my partner and I have a talk about it. And we decide we're going to drive to go do a thing in Oklahoma because I am not going to be able to uh, take the time off for a while. So we decided to take the trip then. Get it out of the way. So we drive back to Oklahoma, many adventures, excellent story. There are poems associated with it. I will let people find those on their own. Mm -hmm. On the way back, we stay with my friend in Norman, Oklahoma. Then we get in the car and we head back west. So we're in Texas. We spend the night in Texas. We wake up. In Amarillo by any uh, where were I hope we? Not. I don't think so. Doesn't matter. It was in the panhandle. I'm from Texas. And so anyway, we were in the Texas panhandle somewhere yeah. Yeah, at, yeah. at a motel. Mm-hmm. So we get up and we have our bad motel food and we have our bad motel coffee and we get in the car and we get to a point where suddenly my phone is getting service again mm-hmm. and it goes off like a popcorn machine. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking and I'm looking at the text and all this stuff and it's like, oh, apparently they've announced it. <laughs> And people know. So then we'd go in and out of things. You know how that area is. It's like you're down in a dip and then there's no service. You come up a little mm-hmm. bit, there's service. We we get into New Mexico. We drop our friend off at the Santa Fe airport. And the we, tiniest airport which in the world. Which is minuscule and love weird. <laughs> and the traffic yes. pattern around that airport is so crazy. Yes. So we find our way and now we're driving up to Taos. And even weirder cell coverage so mm-hmm. coming down nothing coming back up mm-hmm. my phone lights up and and it's just it's crazy it felt really weird and it started kind of panicking me a little bit because you weren't there no or, because there were so many people oh, trying to get a hold of me it was volume. just the volume of energy Got being it. directed Got at it. me at that moment i was like yeah. sort of like i am actually horrified now that i am the poet laureate of san francisco this is very bad it was funny and it now was funny scary. and now i'm terrified <laughs> so we're doing this thing so we pull okay. up in Taos to the place where our friend had booked us a room, this really snazzy place in Taos. And Taos is kind of snazzy, and this place is kind of uber snazzy. Correct. I'll, I'll, yes, I was just there, and I will attest. It is very much uber above. snazzy. Yes. So we're pulling into the... It took a minute or two to figure out how to pull into the the parking lot even because it is sort of like this is exclusive space. It definitely has there's a, a wall. There's a wall. And a small. Exactly. A, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely they make you aware that this space is exclusive. And now I'm really panicking because I've been panicking about the one thing we've been eating in the car. I've got like taco sauce and and crumbs (laughs) i've got taco sauce down one breast so i'm like rummaging before i go in to to register at the the snazzy hotel the snazzy hotel (laughs) or i think it's actually a retreat a resort it's got some other word associated with it anyway i'm like finding a scarf so that i can cover up the taco stain on my breast (laughs) so that i'm not like (laughs) 
I'm not, you know, looking too raggedy, but I've probably smelled. We've been in the car for a long time. I know I smelled of taco sauce because I had it all over me. And I'm freaking out just a little. And as we're pulling in, there's a rabbit in the parking space to do the check-in. And rabbit is the trickster for Cherokee mythology. And I went, ah. And I should have taken more of a hint from that. (laughs) So I walk in. I've got my ID. I've got all the things. I'm like, they're going to look at me, and I'm going to have problems registering for this. This is going to be bad. So I walk in, and the space, the atrium, is like very colonial album. Like New Mexico, so it's mm-hmm. it's all these beautiful tiles and all this wrought iron, and it's very echoey in the space. Mm-hmm. And I'm signing in, but it's going really well. I'm signing in, and everything's fine. I had everything they wanted. I had the ID. I had the thing. The reservation had been made. It was there. They knew it was there. It was all going quite well. And the other person checking people in looks over at me, and in like this huge voice goes, "You're that poet." And I'm like, what? "Oh." My God. So I like checked to make sure that the that the, the scarf taco. was still over the taco yes. stain. And I'm like, I might be that poet. Which poet is that? You're the new poet laureate of San Francisco. And I was like, I had I, I guess I should have known because of the high end folk who have been that person before me that it was sort of something that people not in San Francisco might know. Mm. But it completely freaked me out. Yes. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. Who are you? Yeah. (laughs) And I have nothing else. I'm like, I'm a word person. My brain is completely empty. So I took a step backwards and like right behind me, I hear a voice that sounds vaguely familiar. Mm -hmm. And the voice says, is this, how long has this been happening to you? And I turned around and I I, I think I recognized this person as one of my great comedy heroes of all time. And I was like, <gasps> and he goes, I find that it's easier if you have a character to play so that when people recognize you, you don't have to be yourself and get mm. intimidated. And I went, oh, that's good. Really good idea, yeah. I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. And then he says... <laughs> do you know where the candy vending machines are? And I said, no, I just got here, but they're generally with the laundry machines. And he goes, ah, and there's a literally an arrow pointing laundry. <laughs> and vending. Vending. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it said vending, but it definitely said laundry. So he went off, you know, it's like, please enjoy your candy bar. Oh my God. So we check in and we get changed. The bed is the size of our bedroom. Mm -hmm. There are two bathrooms in this room. (laughs) And like there's a display for the toilet paper, which sort of went way beyond what I was prepared for. And everything smells of sage. And Mm -hmm. I thought, yes, this is a resort. Mm -hmm. And then we drove off to go meet with the person we were having dinner with who I thought I'd met before, but who turned out to be as she described herself, a groupie, which is a recurring theme in my life. But it's very strict because I don't think anybody knows who I am. So Mm -hmm. when people go, oh, hey, I think we know each other. Um, So that's my big Taos story. It just, um, 
it was a very strange couple of weeks getting used to having people uh, come up and talk to me like they knew me. I don't, Surreal. I'm not used to it yet. Yeah. It's very strange. Okay. Thank you. That's a wonderful story. There's one more thing I want to do. Our theme on the show this season is we're still here. Yeah. Um, I could bore you to death with what that means for us. My point is I want to know what I have it means two things it means for me. For you. Yeah. Even other newcomer Native people are are surprised when they find out how many indigenous people live in San Francisco. And most of us aren't Ramatush, who are the indigenous from here. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are a lot of Native people who live in this city and in the Bay Area generally. There are just a ton of us, um, you know, an, an acre. And uh, that's part of any time I hear we're still here, I think that. But also... I'm told, even by people who grew up here, oh, we're, we're unicorns. We're not unicorns. I know a ton of people who were born and raised in this city. I know a ton of people who were born and raised in this city. I am tired of this perception that we're all gone. Mm-hmm. It's just that there are also a lot of people who are not from here. Mm-hmm. We're not unicorns. And, and actually, there are a lot of... There, I feel like I run into people I went to elementary school with a lot. You know, there are a lot of us here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God knows I made a few people here who are still here, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, I mean, I made more of us than I am. Right. So, you multiplied. <laughs> I multiplied. <laughs> yeah. um, so I just, I feel like we need to let that go because that sort of suggests that all of the traditions and the 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 knowledge, the back knowledge from here is gone it's not there's a lot of it still here mm-hmm. and i mean the i the time that i really think about that is there was a a thing on an online thing that was written by this woman who's from here as well but much younger than me and there was some comment made about how there are no ghost stories from san francisco and i was like what Where is wrong have with you you, been? you know <laughs> of course there are would you like to hear some you know it just it's it's complicated for me but i i get very exasperated by that because i feel like when instead of saying things like that maybe questions could be asked instead of making statements that end up really being if not entirely untrue then definitely a bizarre perspective on things yeah i mean there there are a lot there are a lot of us around and then what is what would you say your outlook for the near future in in san francisco do you are you optimistic you you, you, you talked a little bit about cycles and and that kind of thing i am optimistic i feel like well okay so also just walking around i hear every year for that four day period when we get ridiculously hot weather it is never like this in san francisco yes it is every year it is every year it is this time of year i can set my clock by this you know every year there are plants that count on that four days that have evolved here this is a thing that happens or then it's like oh my gosh it's so dry and then every seven years or so there's massive rains and people go it's never like this in san francisco yes it is just about every seven years or so you get crazy weather like this and it's not usual we are live in a semi-arid place i know that the taps lead people to believe that there's just water forever it's not true this is not that place um you know, that's why sericulture gardens require far less work here than any other thing. If you go for dry, that's where we are. And I just, 
I feel very hopeful though. I feel like there are a lot of people who come here and then like make the changes they make, which some of them have, and we like them or we don't like them. There are a lot of them that I haven't liked recently. Um, and then something happens that they don't like that's out of what they consider to be the norm for here, but is actually part of bigger cycles that they hadn't seen all of yet. And then they leave, mm -hmm. they go, go away. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to see the back of some of them. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the people who invest in the city, who commit to being part of the community here, who aren't just sort of treating this place like the new idea of uh, assembly line where there's a gear and every gear is the same. There's a city, any city is the same because I can just plug in my computer and do the thing. No, places are different. Places have a culture. Um, I, th I'm very hopeful, things I would like to see. We need a medium-sized earthquake. We need a medium-sized earthquake to panic the people who will be panicked by that, who will leave, and then the city will shrink a little bit, and it kind of needs to. It's a small place. We also could use a moment where our, our art museums stop viewing themselves as a gallery instead of a museum and everything's just some traveling show from somewhere else. Mm. You know, I, I, I've done a lot of work around the de Young. I've done a lot of work around the Palace of Legion of Honor. I've done a lot of things with the, with the um, Academy of Sciences and that goes back to right after high school when I volunteered there. I've spent a lot of time in our museums and I, I've written about the de Young, and I feel like I would love to see the de Young really do some shows of the stuff in their collections. The collections are incredible. We, you know, I'm happy to see the occasional spectacular alternative thing that's been boxed up and sent from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But the whole point of culture is that it is regional. I mean, art regionally eat regionally politics regionally so that we can like make things accommodate a, a perspective that's that's different from every other main street everywhere i think we need to really it's like show us to us show us to us there are artists from out here and poets from out here that never get the kind of attention that they would get if they lived in new york we need to stop looking east to find culture. We need to stop looking to the east coast to find culture. There is culture here. There is excellence here. There is stuff here that is of here. Watershed. Village sites still sing, resonate through hidden shell mounds from every watershed that wrap the hills on thick-aired nights like these. Songs throb through the sidewalks, through the bark of bay trees, in the ache and full bloom of every angled slab of rock peering through the hillsides around Rocky Point and Glen Park Canyon. Remember their true names, call them out like birds do, announcing boundaries, unseen but heard if listened for. There is still joy in these hillsides, the water still runs here. Coming down into Eureka Valley. This hillside remembers being wild, and the trees still talk about the orchard that replaced purple bunch and rattlesnake grass, the arroyo, salamanders coil under ceramic pots, sing songs about wet years under the bay laurel, and the Yerba Buena explain the fog and how the hillsides came to be. 
white roses grew from rootstock after the grafts failed and the bearded iris bolted every ten years or so saffron crocus bloom under mirabelle plums cusp the morning star the redwood caught her for the moment this ancestor net this old game on the cusp of a day that i know will be hot will bake the tiny tomatoes on the vine and set the lavender and rosemary scent free ripples of early autumn that break out in orange butterflies that was kim shuck we're taking next week off but the next storied San Francisco is going to be a huge treat for us to bring to your ears. Episode 33 drops on Tuesday, January 4th, 2022, wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 160 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review our show so we can reach even more folks. We love email. Drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, keep dreaming, and we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.